join me, please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our assembled hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. May please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What a marvelous morning. Holy smokes. That's pretty. Wow. I love the song leader's voice on the Christ Alone Cornerstone. I'll hear that all day today. Beautiful, low female voice. What a fantastic, fantastic job. Connect to God, right? Connect to God in worship. That's our job is to help you find that space to connect to God when we gather together to, to worship. And boy, Alex and Dr. Heidi and you, Jung, and the choir and the bells, you guys have really led us to, to Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I wonder how you would characterize your lifestyle. How would you say, when, when, when I consider my lifestyle, I... People are giving me stuff all over this morning. They said, as a Packer fan, the kickoff of that Vikings game is going to be about the time you get up and preach. And they're right, but I would never take a Sunday off to watch a football game. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, I, I, I can't think I would look at my lifestyle and say, the enjoyment I have around the NFL, which is diminishing, and the joy, <laughs> and the, the joy I have about being a pastor in the the, the, the fulfilling the duty to, to the calling that I have through you in, in Jesus. It's just, I would never say that I'm first a Packer fan and then a pastor and then a husband and then a father. and you know, It just wouldn't work that way. I would say, you know, my life's so, first I'm a Christian and I belong to Jesus Christ. And secondly, I've been called to my family and to whatever lifestyle my family needs from me, I'm going to give. And thirdly, then I am your pastor. What's your lifestyle? People who don't live in California think we're insane out here. Honestly, they really do. When I travel back to the Midwest and they go, where are you from? I go, I'm from California, dude. And they go, what? Are you nuts? You know, I'll never forget my brother-in-law digging out his basement in Hancock, Minnesota, population 400. And he was using a laser to make sure the the floor was going to be level or pitched right to drain. And uh, he goes... I mean, he stopped the whole process. He goes, I can't believe you live there. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I can't believe you live in California. It's insane out there. And then I, my, one of my dear friends, Myron Galshut, gave me the quote. He said, you just remind people that God ain't making any more beachfront real estate, especially in Minnesota. <laughs> but they think if you live in Orange County, you go to Disneyland every day that that's what we do and who we are and what we're all about, that everyone has a pass. When you go in, you go in, you do your thing. They know you by first name. Would you like to go on Pirates of the Caribbean, Mr. Klinkenberg? Why, yes, I would like, you know. And, and we looked at it, I was like, man, I've been to Disneyland for over a year. And it, we, it, it just doesn't work that way. They think you all surf. They think that before you came to church this morning, that you were down on the wedge in Corona Del Mar surfing and beating out those 20-foot breakers. And, and they really believe that. How much do you surf? Well, when I was a kid, I did some, but I was much more about body surfing and boogie boarding. Well, what's a boogie board? I mean, it's just a whole different way of of life. But each one of us chooses to a degree the things we participate in and maybe define our lifestyle by saying, you know what, I really enjoy exercising. And a focal point of my time and my effort is in exercising. Or maybe 
traveling. That's a big one for us. There are people who will own their homes just long enough to be able to interject through that travel. Well, I'm here in October, but then September, I'm, or I'm in September, but I'm gone in October, and then I'm here through Thanksgiving, and then I'm gone through Christmas. And There's nothing wrong with traveling, but if traveling is your primary lifestyle, then there's something bigger and grander. We're also big on recreation, really big on recreation. Boats to the river, motorcycles and quads to the desert. I like to get up and mountain bike. I did 16 miles yesterday. It feels good. Eight up and eight back. Fantastic. What is your lifestyle? Because that defines how you allocate the resources of time and dollars and relational collateral that God has given to you. What's your lifestyle? Well, come back one more question. In the Bible Hall of Fame, what are some of the verses that would be on the wall? John 3, 16. Very good. For God so loved the world. How about John 14? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Good. Wow, that was a new one. Good, Judy. Come on. Give me a couple more. Psalm 23. Very good. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Very good. Uh, how about uh, John chapter 1, verse 14? And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. How about Deuteronomy chapter 6? Because this is probably the most repeated, most memorized chapter in all of Scripture. And these verses, 4 to 9, are probably the most recognized in the history of written words. Probably the most recognized Scripture culturally since Moses, or, uh, since Moses wrote it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I'll give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's a lifestyle mission statement for being the people of God. Shema Ho Israel, the great Shema. Every Jewish child, since that was written, was called to memorize that and to wake every morning with the great Shema. Shema Ho Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is Aha. Aha. Dr. Elliot was here at eight. He can get that really guttural hate in there. I can't. Aha. The Lord is one. And that formed the lifestyle of the Jewish people, that they were a covenantal people of God, that they belonged to God and God belonged to them. And they weren't getting up and messing around with it and saying, well, today we'll see what happens. They got up and they said, above all else, this is what matters to me and this is who I am. And this is where our lifestyle starts, on this covenantal relationship with Yahweh, the Lord your God. And so what's your lifestyle? As we think about grow together, we think about a Christian lifestyle and what Christians do and how Christians act. I'll never forget a conversation I had in the campground at San Clemente. We had sent the kids with the others down to the beach and we had cleaned up the dishes and all those things. We were sitting there just kind of having a glass of orange juice hanging out. And a man reached across the table and he said, Tim, here's our lifestyle. My wife and I pretty much live to play. We ski in the winter and we surf in the summer. 
And basically what he's asking me is, what do you think about that? Well, you're not going to tear into someone at that point, right? You don't tear into them and say, that's perhaps the dumbest, most shallow thing I've ever heard in my life, right? <laughs> I would never do that. So my way is a little bit more inductive. What do you mean by that? What are you, what are you telling me? Because that's not a lifestyle that's going to prevail. That's not a lifestyle that when you're 85 is going to bring you any sense of value. Because as long as you're not skiing or you're not surfing, you're nothing. You don't exist. And as knees get so old and tired that you can't pop up on your surfboard, and as you tumble and fall in the mountains, it's just not a way of looking at life or a lifestyle that prevails. One of my dearest friends is a pastor in Fort Collins, Colorado. As a matter of fact, I watched his message this morning at 7 o'clock before I preached this one here at, at 8. He was skiing down at Steamboat Springs. He got cut off by another skier. He fell. Compound fracture, he's done. He will never ski again. He can't physically do it. It's a good thing he's got more to his life and his lifestyle than skiing or his life would be over. Does the lifestyle that you have, will it prevail? Because a lifestyle of entertainment and a lifestyle of fun does not prevail. It does not move you through times of deep meaning. It does not lead you through times of deep, rich connection with other people that is associated with the things of the soul much more than the things of activity. And so our, con our conversation as a congregation about grow together, grow together, what does that mean? It means that you have a lifestyle that prevails in Christ. It means that from birth to death, as Pastor Constine would say, from womb to tomb, from cradle to crib, and every point in between, there is meaning and there is value in life lived together in Christ and lived with other people. Old Paul speaks to young Timothy. He says, you know my way of life. You know what I've been through. You know where I've been. You know I'm sitting out down here, up here in Rome, and I got all this stuff going on, and I'm not really in good shape. But let me tell you what has given me the strength to prevail, young Timothy. And here it is. But you, man of God, flee from all this previous worldly stuff and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He doesn't say back off and mellow out and see how things go. He says, rise up, take a hold, and don't be afraid. He says, look at where I've been and, and follow in my footsteps. I haven't done everything perfectly or everything well, but I followed Jesus. And when I was down and out, I had Jesus. And when I was fighting the faith, fighting the fight of the faith, and I thought I was down for the count, I still had Jesus. And when I got tossed out of those towns, I still had Jesus. Take a hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Don't be so passive, so weak, so timid grow together in Christ and his promises and grow together in living a Christian lifestyle as a church as a community of believers a community of faith of people who live and die together under the hope and the promise of God you see, the reason why I can stand so assuredly and tell you that this lifestyle prevails is because we've watched it 
We watched it in Jesus it prevail. From his birth at Christmas to his death on Good Friday to the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday, he prevailed through life and death all the way through so that we could look at him and not say, well, I wonder if it works, but we could look at him and go, my promise of life eternal is sealed in Jesus. I belong to him through faith. His death on the cross is my forgiveness. It provides meaning and it provides hope. People live and people die. And when people die who aren't supposed to die, people get mad. It's just part of grief. It's part of the way it works. And then they blame God. And I get that. I do. I, I understand that here. But when we hold on in hope, there's something bigger and grander than that angry peace inside of us. There's that peace from John 14. That piece from John 10, from Psalm 23. That those of us who have lived and died in Christ have something bigger and grander to look forward to. Because Jesus died and rose again. We believe that all those who die in Christ prevail. And so we speak in our church of growing together growing in the Word and in the promise of God. And we speak of growing in valuable relationships. So like Paul said to Timothy, we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work in life and in death. Connect to God, grow together, and share Christ in a lifestyle that will prevail. Since I've come back from my surgery, this has been my mission statement. And if I'm blessed to serve here another 14, 15 years as senior pastor, this, this will be it. Uh, this is it. This is me. I will give the last third of my professional ministry career to this. And when I'm old and can't do this anymore, then I will coach young men and young women to do the exact same thing, to win people to Jesus Christ. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all this for the sake of the gospel to share in its blessings. Who does God put in your wheelhouse to win to Jesus Christ? Who's living a lifestyle that's sucking wind that needs the Lord's wind in their sail? And I'd offer that some of them are very, very very close to us. Share Christ. Last spring, we filled up a container full of food, 140-some thousand meals we did. And you know what? We didn't do it all right. Every piece of, of rice and lentil and stuff did not get in every bag. We are still blowing rice and lentils out from between the cracks in there. It wasn't perfect. But let me tell you, the people who received the food in Kenya... It means everything to them. And we work together as a congregation to share Christ. When I put that slide up before, the one about winning people to Jesus Christ, the first person on my Facebook page when I put that up was a seminary professor. And he said to that, Clink, you, you, you got to rethink that. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And he said, you just don't have that right. Well, I'd cut and pasted that from the New, Standard, uh, New English Standard Version of the Bible. I'm like, dude, don't argue with me. Argue with St. Paul. He said, we got to have things right before we do things. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
because that precludes us from doing things that need to be done when they need to be done, whether they're done perfectly or not. Like preaching a sermon. It's not perfect. For some, it's too short. For some, it's too long. For some, it's too wordy. For some, it's not wordy enough. For some, it's too smart. For some, it's too banal. For, for, for some, they're like, you need more pictures. For some, they're like less. Some say stand in the pulpit. Some say here. I don't know. I think I'm called to stand and preach the gospel. And sometimes it's right and perfect and wonderful. And sometimes it ain't. But just because it ain't perfect and it ain't right doesn't mean we don't do it. My point is, when it comes to sharing Christ, sometimes you got a ready, fire, aim. And our Kenya trip was something kind of like that. That's how the playground that you purchased turned out in Ruika right there. And I'm telling you that we dug and dug and dug because the hill slanted down towards a little valley. And it's a good thing that we had this gentleman with Ron Levesque named Simon. Because let me tell you, Simon knows how to dig. And Simon has a joyful spirit and a joyful disposition. And he knows how to work and how to work hard. And he loves the Lord Jesus. And he loves young people. He loves his family. And his crew made that trip for us. That playground probably would not have got done had we not shared Christ and work with Simon and his crew. Simon and Ron both made an impact on that trip. And there's Maddie Jensen, Tom and Mary Strax, granddaughter, who's gone through an inordinate amount of physical difficulties in her young life, but yet in her sweet way, endured an awful lot of stuff in that trip and made an impact to share Christ. Was it always perfect? No. But was it the right thing to do? Yup. And did it make an impact? Yup. Jeff Rhodes is in church today. I saw Jeff sitting up in the balcony this morning and the best prayer on the whole trip was offered by Jeff tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Pastor Tim, I see the pattern here. You've got everybody praying. I want to pray. And when Jeff got done praying, we were all crying because he shared Christ with us that day. He made an impact. And these dear people, I don't have the music behind this, but the music wasn't perfect and the sound wasn't perfect and the instrumentation wasn't perfect. But again, when they were done singing and welcoming us into their presence in their place and giving thanks to God for us, it's the right thing to do. This is what happens when grow together and share Christ intersect. Ron and Michelle Levesque with Marsha Potis and a little child, a little guy that they adopted named Prince Owen. They never met him before, but they had sent lots and lots of gifts and dollars and notes to make sure that Prince Owen was able to go to school. They put their arms around him like he was their own son. And they shared Christ with dirty shirts and dirty fingernails and red clay all over them, but with great joy. These are part of Simon's crew. I thought it was especially poignant that the gentleman in the middle had a St. John's 8th grade uh, warm-up on for basketball. That's the same basketball outfits our kids wear in our school. 
On putting that bridge up, we had a problem making it work. It was just the way the field was pitched and the way we did it. Like I said before, we dug and dug and dug and dug and we didn't quite get there. It was really hard. And, and then at the end, it was just cattywampus a little bit. So we had to pull it together with come-alongs and all of those things. And there was still a little spring in the, in the playground until Simon came up and punched the thing and, and, and it all kind of sunk together. It's not perfect. It's not perfectly engineered and perfectly right. But that thing will stand until Jesus comes back or those children will wear it out. I'm not sure which one first. Share Christ in your word, service, and actions. That's Cindy Lund with her adopted student. We drove an hour and 45 minutes so that Cindy could see her student. Beautiful drive and very uncomfortable vans, but... Cindy's student that she adopted is HIV positive. They greeted each other with a big hug and with kindness of friends who had exchanged notes and time with one another. There was an impact that was made there that face-to-face was confirmed. The young man that I'm visiting with here at a secondary school, his name is Michael Dennis. Michael wants to come to California to study to be a physician. And because he's watched how uh, HIV and AIDS have ravaged the male population in, in Africa, he wants to be a physician that finds out a way to cure AIDS. I'm not sure how he did on the tests that he took the week that we're there, but those tests are so intense that if you fail them, you more than likely won't get a job except maybe part time seasonal work. And if you pass and do well, you end up going into the university. No doubt Michael did well on those tests. Those are the people that you shared Christ with, just a small handful of them. You made an impact. You made a difference. This church made a difference. Everyone who prayed, who gave a dollar bill, who worked like crazy to get those meals packed, it's not just the ones who travel over that make a difference in sharing Christ. It's each one of us in our place and station and vocation of life that helps people see Jesus in and through us. What an impact, what an impact that trip made. Now everyone can't go to Africa and everyone can't build a swing set and a a big thing. I mean, it was very heavy and it was hard work and there's no hydraulics and there's no electricity, but the guys know how to do it and it works really well, but it's not for everyone and I get that. Going to Mexico isn't to build homes, isn't for everyone. And going here and going there, I get that. I I, I don't need to be here. I I get it. But I do know that in your unique context, God has brought people to you who need Jesus. And I'm not sure who, but you know. And I'm not sure how that works, but you know. And I'm not sure what the open door is, but you're going to know. And I'm not sure the words you're going to speak, but you'll figure it out. Because in sharing Christ, it's not ready, aim, 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 fire. It's ready, fire. Aim, 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 God. Less like a bullet and more like a missile. Connect to God, grow together, and share Christ. And this marvelous piece, like St. Peter wrote it for our time right now from 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be prepared to give account of the hope that fills you, but do it in a postmodern age, not with a club in one hand and a hammer in the other, because that ain't what these young guys playing bells are looking for. If we pound them, but if we share Christ with gentleness and respect, with a clear conscience, having lived life together, being connected to Christ, the impact that your life will make is enormous. As I close this message today, I've got something I want to share with you. And they're going to be handed out all over. You, you guys have one from early church, right? You're, you're still good. Okay. But let's just pass these out. You guys got some from early church. Where's Jason? And Can you guys help me? A couple of these. These are prayer cards that we had made that we want to have. There you go. And there's Rob. Good. You work this. And yeah, just take a couple and pass them down. All good, Leo. There you go. And these will remind us to pray. Because everyone can't go to Africa, but pretty much everyone can pray. There you go. There you go. I just need one. And I don't want to snap you with a rubber band. There you go. I'll get them. But if you look on the front, well, there's not really a front. It says GraceWorks Playground Project Summer 2018. That's your project. You did this. And there's a picture of our crew on the back and the difference that you made. And I hope that you can put this somewhere prominent in your house, whether it's on your fridge or I've got a place where my closet where I get dressed and I put stuff like this. And it just reminds me not to, you know, drop on the ground and pray for four hours. It just reminds me to stop and remember and to give thanks for these dear people. You made an impact. And we can continue to pray until we rise up and go again. And this reminds me also to pray for those people who we know that don't know Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Lord, I look at that picture and I remember that day. And I remember walking through Susan's family's uh, uh, farm and, and, and seeing the headstone of her parents and knowing the impact that Susan's mom made on her life and how she now makes an impact in, in, this, uh, in this village and in these schools. I, I look and see children who have, compared to us, nothing. Uh, and yet they have everything. The smiles and the hope and the joy that's in their hearts. Lord, I can even hear that echoing in my mind this morning. So be with our dear friends in Rowika. From very little, they give very much. And we pray that you would bless us and walk with us in that. Lord, we so dearly want to be a congregation that is focused on other people and not just ourselves. So grant us opportunity to do that, to refix our vision, to win people to Jesus Christ, to speak the truth in love and to do so with gentleness and respect. We thank you for every opportunity we have to connect. 
and for the impact your people at St. John's Orange make in your name. In the name of Jesus.